Hello, welcome to season three, episode two of Community Voice. Today, we have a really interesting guest on the line, Tara Jasper. Hey, Tara, how are you? Hi. Hi, Thomas. I'm good. Glad to be here. Great. So, Tara, you have a very eclectic background and journey to starting your company, Sipsong Spirits. Could you set the stage for us by taking us through that journey leading up to starting your business? Sure. Yes. Happy to. I it's I could go all way back, but I've always wanted to, as long as I can remember, I've been very curious about business. Um, my father taught business for Pioneer High School, a, a local high school here in Sonoma County. And I just remember always having questions and I'm always getting answered in detail, like how does the cereal get on the shelf? And then at the same time, I, from six years old, remember having this very sensitive palate. So figuring out what to do with that and how does that play a role in what I'm going to be doing in my life? I don't know, but it really felt like it all came together once I started making fruit liqueurs or even more so once I started making eau de vies. I have a good friend. Him and I are actually going to LA tomorrow together. He, um, is just in this foodie community that we have here in Healdsburg that really is what brought me to the town of Healdsburg is this wonderful community that cares so much about everything that touches their palates, their food that comes from the most beautiful farms and the wine that is made here. And um, I guess that's what is really interesting. As I, as I started making eau de vies, which is basically, it means water of life and it's the, any sort of plants uh, like tequila is made from agave and that's a plant. So really tequila is a, is an eau de vie before it's aged. So eau de vies just made me realize that I could capture beautiful flavors and they would outlive me. And once I realized that it all made sense, everything I've ever done um, from culinary school to geeking out on coffee for half of my life and tea blends and shrub making. And it all just made sense. So I started working on my first gin and that was released uh, April 27th of 2018 was the first bottle that I delivered to Barn Diva here in Healdsburg. Uh, yeah. So I'm a gin maker and um, it's, it's very exciting. And I also think I've wanted to start a business for a really long time and not known what I could devote so much of myself to because I know how much starting a business takes from watching my husband do it. So I knew it needed to be something that went very deep for me that I cared deeply about. Um, and nature and our planet are things I care very deeply about. So preserving the beauty of it is is important to me. So I one of the things that I wanted to talk about, and I don't know, I should probably let you ask me questions and I answer them, but um, (laughs) this is about small business. I really want to make a point to anyone who's thinking of starting a business that it's so important to have a very deep and meaningful why for yourself, because that's what will get you through the long days and incredibly 
late nights and all the things it takes to start a business. Yeah. And I think toward the end, I want to talk to you a little bit more about that. But kind of jumping back to your company, I don't think a lot of people, and I say that myself being one of them, know that much about the distillation process or even really the kind of meat and potatoes of how you know you go and buy a bottle, how that got there. Could you paint a picture of the process with which you make your gin, kind of from the soil to the bottle? Yeah, yes, definitely. I mean, there are some distilleries here in our area that are so cool and they're making their products from the grain to the glass, like Spirit Works. There, and it's very cool what they're doing. And I am not doing that all the way because, well, I'm a little startup and I figured out what it would take to get a grape harvest and ferment it and make the grape base. And then it would be reliant on seasonality. And I just decided that it was better for me to buy a high proof grape base So that's just super clear and clean. And I could make that in-house, but it would take so many hours and then be reliant on the seasons. So I wouldn't be able to scale. So I made the decision after tasting as many grape samples as I could get, where to get it from, the place that is super clean and consistent. And so I buy that and it comes to me in these giant totes and I it comes at 191 proof, which is flammable and pretty dangerous. And then I water that back and I put it in still. And then I add my botanical blend and I actually toast the coriander right before it goes in the still. So it's still warm. And it's right when that smell of cilantro starts to come, the green smell starts to come out of the seeds. And that's when I pop it in. The alcohol, basically it evaporates at different temperatures and there's the more volatile particles or alcohol comes off first. So you collect that and you don't, serve that to people. Because especially when you're starting with grain or with grape from the beginning, some of that can actually blind people. So it's a little bit dangerous, but you know, not this, I don't really think the stuff I'm working with has any of that left in it. But so once it starts to taste, just, I know exactly what it tastes like. I know the temperature it comes off at, I know right where my head's cut is. So then I cut it and start collecting the hearts. And it's really cool because each of the botanicals kind of has its moment as it's coming through. I love it. It's so fun to taste it through the whole time. I mean, I don't do that all the time because sometimes I'm distilling at eight in the morning, but typically I'll taste it as it goes through. But I know, again, the exact temperature and time and everything that it takes for it to get close to those tails cuts. And then I, I've done this so many times now, I know the flavor I'm looking for for my tails cut. And once I get it, I cut and and then that's it. Then I've got my gin, but it's at like 165 proof at that point. So I'm going to water it back with, with water, which I tested many different kinds of water as well. There's a beautiful, beautiful water that comes from Mount Shasta. And um, it is so delicious. Even when you go to the Shasta City website, they have a video about their water. It it really is incredible. And my family was visiting. And then when we left, we got home. And for three straight weeks, I'd wake up every morning and be like, oh, 
I need to water my gin back with Shasta water. And I'd say it every morning I wake up and <laughs> I kind of dream in gin flavors. I don't, I do different botanicals. I wake up and I'm like, Oh, I have to try that. So after three weeks, my husband just said, honey, you got to go to Shasta and you've got to bring back water and then see if it works. I was like, Oh yes, yes, that's what I have to do. And that day I drove to Shasta and back and it was cool. I, the hotel we had stayed at, I called them and told them what I was hoping to do. And they said, Oh yeah, you know, you just, if you spend one night here, you can have as much water as you want. And so I spent a night and filled a bunch of carboys and brought them back. And <laughs> it was beautiful water, but it was too mineral dense and it weighed down the um, botanical flavors. So it wasn't the right thing. Wow. Yeah. I love that story. So when you go in to start a business, there are a lot of kind of unknown unknowns that you face. So at this point, and fully understanding that you kind of sold your first bottle in April, so not too long ago. Yeah. So at this point, what are some things that you wish you had known when you first started out on Sipsong? That's a good question. I wish I would have known how many nights really there's kind of too many nights away from my family and children, but I've been making decisions recently just to say no and not do everything and not pour at every event and just, it doesn't really affect my sales probably that much. I mean, maybe more people would know about what I'm doing if I went and poured, but it's more important for me to be home with my kids. So really everything else, I did a lot of work in preparation for starting it. Um, as far as business analysis and planning, um, I started attending this amazing female entrepreneurship conference two, a year before, I guess, or maybe six months before I started it. And I learned so much and I went to the next one. Um, in Washington, D.C., and they've actually asked me to chair the third one, which is going to be here in Sonoma County. They decided to come here, post fires, and bring tourism here, which is super cool. So I'm going to help them get some Sonoma County folks to attend and hopefully other amazing barrier folks because it is such a cool conference for females, but males too. It's a lot about the opportunities that haven't been seen yet because we haven't let the female brain attack that many problems or on our planet and or create products as leaders of businesses. So it's pretty cool when you think about all the problems that can be solved when we now let the other half of the population's brain start to um, look at them, especially because we have brains that work very differently. Exactly. Unlocking kind of a previously sheltered, if not shut down perspective, I Completely agree with that. It's pretty cool. It's cool to see these businesses that some of the women who attend have started. Um, there was a woman, I wish I could remember her name right now, but she started a chain of pharmacies. It just started with one pharmacy in Australia. It was just such a different approach to a pharmacy. People loved it and they expanded. And one, she ended up with this huge chain of pharmacies. And then her uh, mom, I believe it was, got cancer and she observed the process of how they treated cancer in Australia and decided to make it way better as well. And then she now has a chain of cancer treatment centers in Australia and Asia. And she's 
you know, just doing so much good with what she's doing. It's so cool. It was very cool to meet her. She was just about to go, or she's going with Richard Branson whenever he goes up and goes, you know, up into space. <laughs> so wow. anyway, it was cool to meet her and to hear her story and how important values, like she kept talking about that, the advice that these women give, it, it was amazing. Before I started Sipsong, I had already done a five-year P&L that helped me make decisions based on having my own facility versus working outside of someone else's. And um, it was very, I don't want to say smart. I don't want to be like, yeah, I'm smart. It was wise to not get my own facility right off the bat, especially as a mom and wanting to prioritize my family. It was the right move. So having that forecasted out and then seeing the hours one would require versus the other, it was easy to plan. And so it's been working out really well because I did a lot of planning. So what I wanted to ask, and this is something that obviously CYC as an organization that provides consulting services to small businesses, it's kind of a raison d'etre for us. But where do you turn when you think about kind of growth and the myriad other considerations that face your business? You only have obviously so much time and you can only be one place in a day. Yeah. What kind of resources do you turn to or how do you make those decisions? Yeah. Recently I had to go back to the drawing board because in six months I had achieved what I thought would take two years. And I realized that I really needed to make a decision. Did I want Sipsong to be everywhere and like get an investor and grow or do I want it? to just be small and hard to get. <laughs> and if you know where it is, go on my website. You can find where it is. If you want some, you can get a bottle. It's online. Right now, I feel like I'm just going to keep it small. It's such a good product. It will spread organically over time. And I don't need to be in a rush to push it out. You know, the gin market is kind of going nuts abroad and it's growing really rapidly. And I've looked at the forecasts and they say it's only going to be a couple of years that it's going to be booming like this. And yeah, if you look at the economics, I probably should blow it up, but it just doesn't feel right to me. It doesn't feel authentic to me. So I, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to keep making it myself and really just not hire anybody until I absolutely have to. I mean, I'm kind of close to my max as it is, but um, just going to keep keep going <laughs> slowly, but surely. I like how we live very much in a day and age of viral products and I think bring in as much as you can in terms of make it as attractive as possible for an outside or external investor or partner to kind of come in and grow at all costs. And you've taken somewhat of a different approach in that you almost want to maintain the soul and core of what you started six, seven months ago by keeping it authentic to that. And that's interesting because it doesn't sound like all of the growth opportunities that are accessible to you are actually that interesting to you in terms of how you want this business to evolve? Yeah, no, they're not. I really am not motivated by money 
I don't pay myself and I don't need to be paid. And I'm doing this because I really, really love it. And I've always wanted to contribute to this world of food and beverage that I love so much. It's just so exciting to see people enjoy it and to see it go on amazing cocktail lists and be made into these beautiful cocktails. I'm thrilled just to be getting to do it. I'm just trying to keep my family as my priority and not let this take over my life is the only challenge. Another thing that I wanted to ask you, and I know that in prior conversations, something that's really important to you is kind of the local area and community that you're in within Sonoma County. And obviously listeners will know how great a place you are located within and your business operates in, given kind of the broad network effects of vineyards everywhere and wine and really opening up that segment to the US only a few decades ago, and now it's become huge, California wine, obviously. It would be interesting to kind of know, how does your community fit into what you do? And are there kind of network effects working together with other distilleries or even wineries nearby? The community is really of the utmost importance to me. And one of the things that I love the most about what I'm getting to do is it's kind of this interesting thing that's happened because I'm not that available because a mom is my number one priority and I don't have a tasting room, so it's not open. But what I've been able to do is donate group tastings to come to the distillery, meet with me. I let them try the gin the way I like it to be tried, which is three different ways right off the bat. I teach them a cocktail and we pair it with food. And that little package has been going nuts in our local auctions. And everyone's really wondering what the heck's going on because (laughs) gin is not really what people drink around here. The other day, it was at a film festival event. I actually poured at the film festival in Sonoma County and then the one over in Napa. And people are like, oh, you know, and the one in Sonoma County was really interesting. Half the people came and brought their wine back and wanted to have the gin and tonic. And it was like, oh, okay, (laughs) that's funny. But, you know, we drink a lot of wine around here. They say a lot of winemakers drink beer. It's true. It wasn't really that big of a surprise. People were like, oh, this is something new. You know, I want to try it. But what's been cool is that through these auctions, Sipsong has raised more money than I could ever possibly imagine for our local nonprofits. I'm just so happy about it. And my husband and I have always been involved in nonprofits. I feel like we have more than we need. And so I want to give back as much as we can. Every year, our community really needs it. Having grown up here and having seen inside all of the hospitals, my mom was very sick here for a long time. Going to public school here and knowing what that's like, I just felt like there's a lot of different things that need more money. Um, so we would give as much as we could personally, but to be able to start a business that has almost given back $50,000 with these tastings so far this year, then the auctions have slowed down. I don't think there's any more. So that'll probably be the most that we do this year, but that just blows my mind. I didn't think that was possible. And it's very, very exciting. I love that kind of 
marriage of a business that is very socially conscious in terms of both the authenticity of understanding how important the community is to a business's success, but also that understanding that a business is very good at generating profits. What I don't think maybe businesses are great at is sometimes distributing them and having that understanding that community and those less fortunate is something that I see a lot of small businesses, especially that work with us, have as kind of part of their DNA. And I think that's because they're local. And you asked about how we work together, other distilleries, wineries. That was a good question. When I first started thinking I was going to do this, I got to go around and meet all the other local distillers, which was amazing. They're all so cool. They're totally my people. I love them. And I was pitching all of them on having something like the winemakers have, like a association that we all contribute to. I think that will happen someday. It hasn't happened yet, but where we can let people know. But there's already a map out for the distilleries. So our local economic development board did that. But I was just thinking maybe an event that we put together each year. Down the road, I'm sure it will happen. But we have a big issue. We have a lot of tourism in this area and people come to the tasting rooms and they love what they have, but we can't ship it to them. So they don't live here. They can't really become a part of our club or become, you know, a regular consumer of our product because it's illegal for us to ship. And so I saw that again and again with everybody I met. And I thought to myself, huh, well, that's interesting. And then my husband was lobbying at the Capitol and I was there with the kids and my girlfriend works there. And so she had us upstairs in Mike McGuire's office. And then Mike came out and I was like, hi, Mike. And I just decided to pitch him on my idea since I was like right there. <laughs> and um, we're working on a bill, I think is what's happening. They tried to get a hold of me yesterday to interview me for it. For some reason, it didn't come together that day, but I'm sure we will because it really is a big issue, especially in Mike McGuire's territory where we all are because of the tourism here and people coming in. So they really do want to keep in touch with us and we don't have any way of doing that. Transitioning away from specific business questions, we like to end the episodes with somewhat of kind of a lightning round of maybe broader and or policy questions. The first one I wanted to ask you And you had alluded to this earlier when discussing starting your business and how difficult it was, but how you think and wanted to express that it's been fulfilling and rewarding, especially for other women who may be thinking about starting companies but are facing trepidation. How do you think our society and even at more of a granular level locally, how can we help foster more women and mothers' success in entrepreneurship? I think it really, at the end of the day, boils down to financing, the money it takes to start a business, and that women are only receiving 3% of VC funding right now. 
One way that our community can support, we can be seed rounds, we can be angel investors, we can step up and help other women. And it's something I've already been researching. And if Sipsong works, that's definitely what the proceeds are going to go towards, which is investing in other women with ideas, because we have a lot of great ideas. And then also through mentorship, men and women. I just finished mentoring a woman in Argentina for a year. I love mentoring other women in business, but I would mentor a man too. I just think we need to work together. We need men to mentor women and vice versa. But we also, um, I don't know, this might be off subject, but the scouts, the used to be boy scouts, they have initials and it's just the scouts are accepting girls. And both my boys are scouts and I love everything that they get to do. I signed my daughter up and I'm leading the first troop in Sonoma County with girls. And it's really exciting because I'm a pilot. I really love math and science. Everything I've ever been interested in is sports. It's not, I guess, normal, but it is me and it is what is my normal. So there shouldn't be a normal one thing or another. We can all teach other things and work together and mentor each other. I think that's a great perspective. And My second question, one thing that I've become increasingly aware of having kind of grown up in the middle nowhere in Maine and transitioned then to an urban area, over the, I think, past few decades, Americans have increasingly lost touch with rural areas and especially with nature. It's something you do on a vacation, but less and less we're working on farms or in nature. And you have an interesting perspective on this because you have a business that requires working in and relying on nature. So I almost wanted to understand your headspace around having a business in a rural area juxtaposed against a population that is increasingly urban. Yes. Wow. I have a lot to say on that subject because I was raised in a redwood forest on the Sonoma coast with views to the ocean, not a short walk from my house and um, just super, super rural, not a single sound that wasn't from nature. I think is definitely what draws me to gin wanting to really bring awareness to the changes that are happening in our on our planet. Like I was planning to make this beautiful honey gin with honey from my bees. My husband and I have kept bees for more than a decade and um, my hive died just like suddenly. Of course, the bees are great. The other hives come and they take the honey. So all the honey was gone, you know, in like a day, the honey was gone. So I couldn't make it. And I have this little, it's like a gin club. So people are members and I was planning to release my honey gin for the for Christmas. And I had to just send out a mailing list and tell everybody there wasn't going to be any honey gin. And honestly, that's what I want to bring awareness to. Like if Indira runs out because we have a drought in Morocco and we can't get the Moroccan oranges, like that could happen. And I won't be able to make Indira and that hopefully we'll bring awareness. You know, these fires really make me think about it a lot. This is not something we're used to. And it's 
pretty overwhelming. I'm sure you have smoke all around you too down there, right? Yeah. And on each of those topics, I think recently kind of looking at, and I just flew in and saw a ton of smoke, but looking at videos of people driving on a road where on either side of them, I had seen this on kind of a a news headline, but reminded you of Dante's Inferno. It was something that I don't think you anticipate anyone in this country ever having to go through or, or survive something so scary. No, it's super apocalyptic. I mean, I drove through with my kids. We didn't have to evacuate, but we did during the fires last year, Santa Rosa. And as I drove through Santa Rosa and saw everything torched and the hills still on fire and giant plumes of smoke and black coming from the hills that were still burning, it was just felt like we were in a war zone. I just want to do some good in the world. So my why, what drives me? Why am I up at two o'clock in the morning reading a still manual, thinking about buying some crazy still from Germany? Why am I doing all this? I really am motivated to make the world a better place, which sounds really weird because I'm making gin. I know, but it really is my why. I wouldn't be doing this if I didn't think I was going to be making the world a better place. And I think the more I learn about business, the more I can help other women start businesses. Maybe this is only my first business. I don't know. I'm learning so much. And so I said to my husband when I started this, I'm going to use $100,000 because that's what I would use to go get my MBA. And I'm going to get my MBA just doing everything myself, starting a business. I'm going to learn every aspect of how I do that in a highly regulated space. So far, I don't have a lawyer. I've done all my own trademarks. I do everything myself, the taxes. It's been a great learning experience so far, and I still love it. (laughs) I think that's really impressive. As a final question, I don't mean to get political with this question. It's kind of just a perspective from a small business owner, given that you're really the boots on the ground in terms of how the American economy is doing for entrepreneurs and people who are taking a chance. Do you think that the American dream, and when I say that, I mean kind of in quotes and all of the connotations surrounding what it has been and maybe what it's become, do you think that the American dream is alive and well or struggling or gone? Oh, it's definitely alive and well in my house. My husband is an entrepreneur and I've watched him grow what is now the country's largest privately held telecom. And it's been amazing to watch, honestly. So I would definitely say it's alive and well, but you've got to be strategic with your industry you choose. He wasn't. He fell into it on accident. He tells anyone who will listen that he just got really lucky and started an ISP in the back of his mom's house before America Online. But I also think he's a really nice guy and a great leader and he takes really good care of his people. And that's really the key to his success is being a a kind person and a great leader. Yeah. This is a passion project for me. I don't know if this will actually make money or support anyone, but It's a lot of fun. I make beautiful gin that I enjoy sharing with friends and sharing with people. I just delivered to Marin County. So Marin County now has two locations, which is cool because I've never been in Marin yet. So now I'm in 
Napa County, Sonoma County, Marin County, and South San Francisco. But I'm not in the East Bay at Shark Stadium Craft Bar, but that's the only place so far. But so I'm super tiny. I would say don't quit your day job till you're sure you're going to make it. Definitely you got to get investors and that's one of the really hard parts. So be prepared for that to be hard. Um, I'm lucky that I'm self-funded, but that's definitely one of the hardest parts. It's interesting getting a perspective in that, you know, you maybe didn't have to go through all of the hoops. And I would generally agree with you that financing and funding is probably the hardest, but that you still are very aware. In fact, I think you've brought it up several times that that is kind of the key one for anyone looking to start a business or a venture. Always have that in mind because that will unlock the idea and transform it into a reality. So I, I think that's extremely helpful. Thank you for jumping on the podcast. I hope our audience, when they make it to Sonoma County will be able to try some of your gin. Yes. Well, hopefully I can get it to wherever they are too. So my recommendation is if anybody wants to try Sip Song, just go tell your local liquor store and then send me a message on my Instagram and I'll call them and I'll sell it to them. <laughs> I think that's how this works. I don't really know any other way um, because I don't have a tasting room. I mean, you can buy it all over the place here, but I'd rather just get it to wherever you guys are. So that's probably the best strategy. Perfect. Yeah. Business development through Instagram. I, I think that's great. Thank you so much, Thomas. It's been a pleasure, really. Tara, thank you for jumping on. Bye.